Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Creators Outlet. So we welcome tonight uh Miss Rena, where you can find her at Magic Gal Media on Twitter. Yay! Woohoo! So uh Hello SGD. Hey S G D, thanks for coming. Um so Tell us a little bit about you, your background, and uh, why you decided to uh, become a comic book creator. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I am a newcomer to the indie comic scene. So Black Rhapsody is my first project. I got I decided to become a comic creator when I started seeing like um other comic creators start crowdfunding in order to get their pro- uh the projects out there instead of like pre-established publishers like Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. Otherwise known as the enemy. No. Uh, I started in comics. I haven't, I haven't published anything. I've got like four or five scripts laying around here on my computer. Um, oh my. But I became a comic fan at a very young age because I'm old. I'm going to be 53 this year. And they had just started running the old 66 Batman show and reruns in early mornings. And I saw all the flashy colors and all the action and words appearing out of nowhere in thin air where people got hit. And uh, I was hooked. And... Right around the age of four, uh, my mother started buying me a comic book off the spinner rack at the uh, at the local family-owned uh, drugstore every Sunday morning, and it just grew from there. And I just I just couldn't get enough to the fact that uh, in high school I ended up starting to work at a comic book sh- shop, uh, and uh, I'm still connected to them uh, to this day. My best friend. Uh, and his family own it now. Uh, he used to be the manager. And I haven't stopped. And when the Covains came in and shut everything down, I said, oh, I got an idea. I'll start a podcast. And I was trying to go, oh, damn. Everybody else had that idea, too. Yeah. But I got into it. And uh, I learned, uh, I started learning a lot more about CG and how huge the indie scene is right now. I had no idea when I jumped headfirst into the deep end of the pool. And uh, I think this is this is just uh, crazy. I'm never at a lack for uh, people to come on the show and and talk about what they're creating. So I welcome you, noob to the comic indie scene, and uh, 
wish you luck with your first project, Black Rhapsody Part 1. Thank you. I feel very welcome. So, uh, give us an idea of uh, what the book's about. Uh, yeah, Black Rhapsody is about like um, musical, uh, magical singers, a group of magical singers having to fight a um, evil goddess turn turn pop star and save humanity. Uh, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was Gem and the Holograms. Yes, I do mention <laughs> that Gemma the Holograms has a bit of inspiration. It takes the darkness of Madoka Magica and combines it with the ultraviolence of Berserk with a bit of Gem the Holograms sprinkled in. Very cool. I remember trying not to get caught watching Gem and the Holograms. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't want your friends catching you, you know, if you're watching He-Man or, uh, you know, Mask or G.I. Joe or anything. That's cool. You don't want to get caught hanging around with your with your girl cousins uh, glued to the TV for Gem and the Holograms. No. Because then you get teased nonstop. Yeah, sure. And now, I just don't care, so... So tell us uh, where the creative process uh, for the book started. The creative process started when, actually, it goes back to when I was in high school. I kind of came up with this super edgy story, and as I grew I kind of forgot about it for like a good while, because it was originally a, a zombie story, because at the time I was playing a zombie, a lot of zombie video games. I just got obsessed with them. But as I grew older, I kind of began to feel shame towards my own creation. So I kind of repurposed it a bit a few mm -hmm. years later. I started the scripting process for Black Rhapsody during my last two years of college, I think 2019. And 2020 is when I completed the script and had it edited. Once it was completely edited, I then proceeded to look for artists. Uh, so, who do you have as your editor on the book? Um, Piper. Oh, I know Piper. Yeah, I like Piper. She's very helpful. Yeah, she's uh, she's Luke Stone's editor, too, on Hybrids. Oh, cool. And uh, then you started looking for artists. That can be a daunting task because there's so many variables. Yeah. So how did you go about uh, your original uh, search for an art team? Um, I went to a whole different, a bunch of different places. I started in like Facebook because I, I was looking for someone who can do like manga art and mm -hmm. I found the perfect person, but unfortunately he was not able to commit to the project. So I went to ArtStation while I stumbled upon my current artist, Jan Apples. Uh, what's that? Oh, that's that's my girlfriend. Uh, probably on TikTok on the other yeah. side of the room. <laughs> she had her phone up too high. Sorry. Oh yeah, that, I found my card artist through ArtStation, and I contacted her through email. 
very cool. Uh, is she uh, like local in the states, or is she uh, from another spot in the globe? She's in the states. Okay, that's cool. At least you know it's it's fairly local, coast to coast. I know yeah. a lot of people that end up they end up getting like these fantastic artists from like all over the world. So the book's yeah. going to be black and white, like a like a typical manga. Yeah. Okay. I plan on having color be a stretch goal. Oh yeah. Always a good idea. Speaking of which, uh, I know you're launching tomorrow night, and you're going to be on uh, Bancroft's show, uh, mm -hmm. which is always awesome to be able to uh, launch a book with the with the Bogan. Yeah, the Bogan. Hey, Aaron Jordan. Hey, buddy. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. And uh, so what are you looking at uh, for a featured tier? Um, I thought having my featured tier being all in one tier, consisting of two pinup prints, one poster, two two copies of the book, one digital, one physical, and a stand and a acrylic standee of the main character. Oh, very cool. Acrylic standees have become very popular as of late. Yes. I know I got a bunch coming to me from uh, the uh, Global Frequency Project. And I know I'll be getting one uh, with uh, issue eight of Hybrid Sons of Gods from Luke Stone. They're doing a stretch goal with one of their characters as a as a standee. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm glad I have big window sills. So uh, why don't you tell me uh, like a basic plot outline for the book? Uh, yeah, so the plot consists of introduction to the main character, Alethea Mahalia. She's the character who's my um, icon, as you can see on the stream. Mm -hmm. She goes into a very popular music label to kind of get a chance of getting signed on as one of her new talents, but unfortunately things don't go her way, and now she has to fight for her life. So from an evil record label to the fight of her life. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh... Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, that's getting into spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. I don't like spoilers. Let's just say eagles are involved and that's it. Okay. Oh, yeah. In the music industry? Hell, yeah. I know that for a fact. I was a disc jockey for 30-plus 30, 30 years, so... I know how that goes with dealing with record labels. So 
So how long, uh, you said you started, you started this and you reworked it from, from zombies to, uh, a match, a magical girl story. Yeah. To, uh, you know, magical music. And, uh, so from the original concept to now has been what, like six to eight years. Uh, yeah. Because I started the concept. It was called something else during my teenage years. It was called Girls of Badass High. Because I, mm-hmm. got, I got it from, like, a, the local, a local, local TV's, um, like, marathon segment about female main characters, like Buffy and all of them, that featured LGBT characters. Yeah. So I kind of took that because it sounded cool at the time. I was just re I just started rewatching Buffy again the other day. Oh, God. <laughs> I like to binge everything and I haven't watched that in oh years and years. Me so too. I was like, what am I gonna watch? And I'm flipping through the Roku channel and I'm like Buffy, cool. That's always a good choice. That was a a very fun show for quite a long time. So, and uh, do you have it based in a, a fictional setting, or is it based in like an actual locale? I based in a fictional a fictional setting. Okay, and this is part one. So mm-hmm. the the original arc, how many uh, store, how many books are you planning for that? Um, a good number of uh, probably an ongoing series. Okay, always a good plan. And since this is done in manga style, is it going to be uh, traditional manga from right to left, or? Uh, no, it's going to be Western style. Okay. I know most people prefer the Western style. I got confused when I was reading, uh, the original classic Harlock and it was, I was reading the wrong way and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I I know. (laughs) I'm not going to do that to you guys. And, uh. So you're looking at an ongoing series. Uh, how many page? What's the page count for uh, this first issue? Thirty-five plus. Thirty-five plus. Uh, is there a plan to do any bonus books like ash cans or uh, behind-the-scenes stuff? Uh. It's going to be like bonus material, like fan art and stuff like that. Fan art and uh, possibly concept art from uh, your artist. Uh, maybe. I have to talk to her about it, but I know I plan on calling fan art. Good. I can, I can stop warming up my drawing desk. Yeah. Once I get to see more. And uh, did... Uh, is there a video that's launching with the campaign tomorrow, like a like a trailer? Um, 
I'll try to see if I can get a trailer. I've been having a hard time um, working on the trailer. I've been I've been busy with other things. But I'll see if I can try and get a trailer by tomorrow. And you you're gonna do the trailer yourself? No, I, I kind of need someone to help me with that. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, Nick. Phoenix. Good to see you, pal. Now, tell me some of the uh, the business's inspirations to you. Business's inspirations? Like uh, comic book inspirations. Uh. I'm not really that inspired by com by Western comics, more so manga. Mm -hmm. So one of the manga inspiration was Madoka Magica, Berserk, and you know, I think the only Western inspiration was also Jim the Holograms, but that's more so the Jim and the Holograms reboot comic. Oh yeah, not the um, '80s TV show. Yeah, was that that was from uh... IDW? I yeah, about. About seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had bought uh every cup like all the main covers that IDW released for like the first issue, uh, to let my daughter try it to see if she if she liked it. And she's like, uh, can we just buy more of my little pony? Okay. Just showing support for my girl. You got this. Uh, thanks, Nick. I really appreciate that. You wanted to come hang out here before he has to go hang out with uh, B Rose again. Uh, okay. <laughs> are there uh, like when you when you look and like read through your script? Do you have a certain kind of music? that you might be hearing like in the back of your head as you're going through? Um, yeah, especially with some of the characters. It's more so like when it comes to character design, I, I hear that, but not when like the actual script and story, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. So why don't you give a rundown of uh, some of the music that you think of when you think of uh, the characters in the book? Uh, each of the girls are based off of, yeah, each of the main girls will be based off of different genres. For the main character, Alethea Mahalia, she is based off of Ethereal Wave, which is a goth music genre. Okay. Her magical girl persona is based on the Greek goddess of witchcraft, necromancy, ghosts, and the moon Hecate. So each oh. genre I came up with for the characters has to correlate has to match that god that I selected for them. So when I went, so when I was in the process of going, of creating Alethea, I had to think of, okay, what music genre would match someone like Hecate, given her myth, personality, and her um, cultural significance? Okay, she'll have to be a, a goth related genre. Yeah, that makes sense. And why don't you tell us, without spoilers, of course, uh, a little bit about the, the supporting cast in the book. 
for the supporting cast is uh you got Alethea and her friends, um, Letitia and Lucian. Uh, you also, okay, so how do I? I'm sorry, it's just that I got so certain characters are spoiler characters, so I'm trying to dance around this. So we can avoid the spoiler characters. I can only tell you about the current, the Magical Girls being characters of the like um, supporting cast. Okay. So for the Magical Girls, they're all based from different music genres from around the world. For example, I have a Japanese character who's based off a Japanese uh, a Japanese uh, deity called Kuro Okami, who is inspired, who is based off of what was that? melodic death metal. Ooh, I like that. Yes, and I also have another character who is based off of an African goddess whose music genre is Afro-Soul. Mm-hmm. And, See, yeah. To me, like, everything is music because what I did for a living since I was, like, 17. So I can... I can't picture what they look like, but I can picture... Uh, you know, parts of the persona just from you describing the type of music to be associated that you associate them with. Yeah, and it took a lot of research on the specific deity to for me to figure out because some of these deities I chosen are kind of obscure, so mm-hmm. there's not really a lot of like myths and legends around them when like let's say let's say like Hera because there's a lot of stories about Hero, but there's not a lot of stories about Hecate unfortunately <coughs> I mean there are stories but not as much Yeah. or let's say for Izanagi there's a lot of stories surrounding Izanagi but not a lot of stories on Kuro Okami despite him being born from Izanagi And I became uh, more aware of, of Hecate, uh, I'd say about four or five years ago, um, through, a, through a, a big, long storyline involving Wonder Woman uh, out of the uh, Justice League Dark with like all the myth- mythical uh, characters, and they... Uh, they brought Hecate in. Yeah, I do not like the rendition of Hecate in that one. No. Because she's, she's not a villain. She is capable of evil, but that's like, you will have to do something really bad to provoke her. And that's yeah. usually like messing with the innocent, because she is kind of described as being the friend of the dead. So if you're like, like if you murdered someone... And they wanted a family wanted justice for their death. They will call upon Hecate. If you try to hurt one of her followers, she's gonna come after you. So she's very reactionary in that. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I don't, you know, I don't bother with anybody who doesn't bother, you know, bother me. But, uh, you know, come yeah, at my face. Come at my family, and I'll probably be the last thing 
uh, you say. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I love Hecate, because she's one of the few Greek gods that isn't a complete dick. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty much like that, but... So I just brought up uh, the pre-launch page. So, yeah. and the link for that is in the show notes up above and down below, depending on where people are watching the stream right now. And it is also in the chat. Um, are you doing anything special for people that uh, have gone to the pre-launch page to sign up for the mailing list? Yes, I plan to have, I recently announced that I plan to have uh, mailing list to give mailing list backers not just an exclusive training card, but also a cool art print done by Alan Alonso from the Howl Comics. Oh yeah. So people who back, uh, so people who are mailing list backers get to back a perk featuring his featuring his piece as well as a training card. The training card still has is a work in progress. At the moment, and uh, a, a a print by Alan Alonzo, which is exclusive, exclusive to just uh, people on the mailing list. Yeah, that's I like it when people do that. Uh, I know I've I've backed some campaigns that uh, if you were on the mailing list for uh, two different campaigns that were connected. Uh, you would get uh, a special trading card from each that was it was kind of like an amalgam of both their books and oh. uh, then when you when you bought a fist you know as long as you're a physical backer and then you, you actually got like uh, like a print that came from both of them so you got like a couple extra cards and some of the cards were done by, uh, you know, some some big name people in in CG. Uh, this feller that whose name escapes me, but I know it like the back of my hand, but apparently not not as well. I Can you describe enough. him? Yeah, he likes wearing a cowboy hat. Michael T. Uh, High Desert Comics. Yep. No, not Michael T. I know him. Um, oh, he, he also did a, uh, did a variant cover on, uh, one of, uh, 656's, uh, zombie books. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Oh, I know who, I know who 656 is, but I don't know the person. I think it was, uh, with Shane. Was it Shane? John Malin? Nope. Oh. I, darn it. Okay, this is going to bug me. So, uh, now I'm going to now I'm going to have to come over here and bring up somebody real quick. If the cards were done on uh, Talus from uh, Aria. 
So I'm just quickly looking at his campaign. Scrolling down, 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 down. Down, 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 down. Going downtown. Oh my goodness. He's got so much merch on his campaign. Yeah, I really hate oh, it when they press, have... Preston Acevedo. Oh, oh, Preston. Okay, thank you. I know who Preston is. Uh, there's uh, a card by Preston. There's a card by Chubb. Um, and there is another card by... There was, he did an exclusive sign-up, uh, which was a CG UK crossover uh, with Chubb. He's got one of the Mary boys standing next to Talus. Oh, Max, Max Hedstrom did one too. Oh. Along with uh, Mike. Mike Jimmy of uh, Life on Corex. It was a crossover between those two. So I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. I was planning on backing both of them anyhow. But, um, uh, oh, okay. But it was, uh, I, I saw like all the, all the names that I couldn't remember and had to go back and look. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I just, I just thought it was very cool that he had like so many different uh, people. Even, even just doing like you know, uh, you know, a trading card for you know somebody else's campaign is is really cool, and it shows you how the uh, how tight knit uh, you know the the CG crew is. Mm-hmm. How often are you going to try to uh, come out with a new book? Um, I haven't thought that far, to be honest. I'm still kind of focusing on... The here and now. Yeah. <laughs> you have to see how it goes because it's your first time out, so you don't have a whole lot of inkling to uh you know i know you've seen you know many other people's campaigns and how they progress but it's it's a totally different story when it's when it's you going through uh all the stress of uh you know the backing all the different shows to go on all the plugs to make and uh promotions and putting together uh, the Indiegogo page. So uh, did you uh, did you tap anybody to uh, help you uh, construct the Indiegogo page? Yeah, multiple people. But it was mainly myself who had to take that advice and try to construct my Indiegogo page on my own. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. There's there's a there's a lot to it. So are you planning on 
signing all the copies of the book when you get to fulfillment? Not really, because I think that's only for people who are established names like Ethan, Von Klaus, and numerous other. No, I've gotten uh, I've gotten multiple books from from people that have, you know, just done like a, a few books in our, uh, you know, fairly new to uh, to CG and, and crowdfunding. Uh, and they signed them too. I just like I like to get all my stuff signed, but that might be something uh, that you can look into, uh, you know, to put as a you know as a stretch goal if you uh, you get like a lot of requests for it between now and the time uh, the campaign ends. Um, maybe, but I really don't want to do because that's going to kill my hand. You don't want to sign anything. Okay. That's going to lead to carpet tunnel. Oh. I know the feeling. Maybe sometime in the future when I'm more established, I might consider doing it. Okay. Now, is there any projects that are uh, live right now that... Uh, you're looking at that you want to uh, that you want to you know get behind because they caught your eye so much. Uh, Mandy Summers's Jim Shock. Oh yeah. Von Klaus's Terror in the Trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, uh, Micah Curtis's Inglewood Book Two is another one. Oh yeah. And that's pretty much it because uh. I have not, that's pretty much all the books that have captured my interest. Okay. Yeah, not everything's for everybody. And uh, the problem I find is I basically want to back every book that comes out, just about every book that comes on uh, a show with me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. I like the artwork. I like the premise. And but I'm then like, you look at your wallet and yeah. start to cry inside. Yeah, and, and the moths start coming out. And uh, I'm like, I'd really like to do this. Like, uh, I got behind in a big way for, because uh, I love, like, like mech warriors and stuff. And when uh, Global Frequency was doing, was getting ready to do their campaign, uh, I sold a run of... Uh, of key books to uh, a friend of mine who's a collector and a dealer uh, to make enough money to be able to uh, go in and get the collector's box with all the, all the variants and all the, uh, all the metal prints that uh, Phoenix animation did and, you know, all the merch. And I'm like, Oh, I don't believe I spent that much money on one book. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to still having it. So, but yeah, the with the average price being, you know, around $25 for like a crowdfunded book, uh, it adds up really quick. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm disabled and, you know, just collecting. So I'm like, I don't, I don't have uh, funds like I once did when I was working like, 65 70 hours a week oh my 
I was in a coma back in 2016, so uh, it kind of it kind of hinders my life now. So, so anything uh, that you want to pitch about your book that, if, would, that would convince people to back it. If you like musical magical girls, love Lovecraft references, unscrupulous references to real life pop stars, and all the cool weeb shit out there, sign up for the mailing list and back rap, Black Rhapsody on lunch tomorrow on Michael Bancroft's show at 9 p.m. Eastern. And that's all she get to say about that, because anything else might be a spoiler. Yes. <laughs> so, Ms. Rena, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up this for tonight, and this will be up on my podcast platform uh, later on this evening. You'll be able to get it on Spotify or any place you like to get a podcast. And uh, this will also be uploaded and be available. Uh, later on tomorrow afternoon uh, on my Rumble channel as well. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me on. So thanks for coming on. I know we've been talking quite a bit, going back and forth, trying to get everything down. I was feeling a little under the weather the other night, so we rescheduled for tonight. So uh, it was great seeing a whole bunch of people come in that I know and that obviously you know as well. And uh, I wish you all the best tomorrow. I will try to tune into Bancroft to see... Uh, to see how the book uh, does on the initial launch. Yay. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.